You're listening to the National Health Executive's Finger on the Pulse podcast with me, your host, Matt Roberts, to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views, and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Data and information are the lifeblood of our health service with so much going on at any given time across the NHS, often complex and interconnected. It's vital we maintain efficiencies, we maximise benefits we see from our service, both as staff and patients. Digital innovation technologies are providing a lot of that footing in recent times, with artificial intelligence and automation solutions emerging as one particular area of real progress. As much as, at least in my opinion, the idea of AI still draws up thoughts of distant futures and sci-fi films, it is very much a part of the here and now in healthcare. And as such, we want to discuss it a little bit further. But to offer a much more attuned insight into that side of things, especially the automation side, I'm joined by Darren Atkins. Darren is currently the Chief Technology Officer with a specialty in Artificial Intelligence Automation at East Suffolk and North Essex NHS Foundation Trust. Darren, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you for welcoming me. I mean, I've sort of given a bit of the cliff notes there of what what you do and who you are, but I don't know if you could maybe just explain a little bit about yourself and your background uh, briefly to begin with. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I've been in health now for around about 12 years, uh, working through all disciplines of um, NHS technology and infrastructure. And in the last two years, um, or two years ago, both Colchester and Ipswich hospitals merged together to create uh, ESNEFT. And at that time, I thought it was a good opportunity to revisit some of the um, work around automation that I'd seen in the marketplace to really see if that technology would bring any, I guess, advantage to us as part of that merger. So for the last two years, I've been using um, automation technology to make time matter in our trust. So if we can use robot and workforce to free up time for our corporate and clinical colleagues to spend more time with our patients, that has to be a really good thing. And I've seen a lot of it, a lot of successes in that area. So I look forward to sharing that with you today. You are a big advocate for this sort of great automation, yeah. this creating time and allowing that time for our human workforce to actually be spent doing the bits that really matter. Um, but maybe not all of our listeners quite understand what automation technology either is or what it actually looks like and means. Uh, would you be able to sort of like explain that a little bit more as sort of how we make time matter? As yeah, to- yeah absolutely, Matt. Um, and it's really interesting because trying to visualize what this technology is is very difficult unless you see it uh, for real. But effectively, what robotic process automation is, it's very simplistic terms, is sophisticated software that allows me to mimic what a human can do via a keyboard and a mouse. So anything that a, an employee would do on their keyboard to interact with a clinical application or maybe do something in some spreadsheets for finance or update a customer record can all be done with a robot or a digital worker. The difference with my approach, I'm using technology, I call it intelligent automation, so it goes a lot further. So our robots at our trust can, for example, translate between 60 different languages in real time. I can look at unstructured data, apply some algorithms and get some learning outcome. I could even read an email and work out if it's angry or friendly by looking at the sentiment. So there's a whole, I guess, wave of technology tools. And, and the challenge with this marketplace is because this technology is rapidly changing. And every three to six months, we see new technology coming onto the market. Um, you, you need to keep ahead of the game. So I use cloud-based automation platform, which uh, gives me access to all of those tools. And I suppose, as, as you touch on there, it allows 
especially with the sort of um, intelligent automation as you've referred to it in your trust, it lets you see a, a greater picture by being able to translate between technology, taking a big data source. Um, and that's going to have a significant impact on clinicians where time really does matter. And mm. there are sort of pressures and uh, sort of limitations here and there with workforce numbers and shortages. Having that sort of efficiency is going to make a huge difference to both staff working and patients receiving better care. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, Matt, and everybody knows the NHS always struggles for resources, not just in the clinical area, but also in the corporate space. Um, and with this technology, it does allow robots effectively to do the mundane repetitive tasks. Um, and that's the important point. We want to do everything we possibly can to give our medical and clinical staff the opportunity to spend more time either um, you know, treating the patient or talking with the patient. Um, and that's why it's been such a such a big success for us. Yeah, and, and I suppose technologies it's always been there as that uh, to have that ability to do so but it's not always necessarily been met with a a, a receptive no. approach i always say um and but, but, I suppose... but, I mean, but also on that point matt i mean just to share with your listeners around this and i think this is an important point is i spend a lot of my time supporting and coaching organizations all across the world not only in health but also in in other industries and what I've found through my own learning is those organizations that purely are chasing releasing the cash from the business are ones that have a real struggle deploying this technology. Because let's be honest, you know, a couple of years ago in the media, automation technology or robots were, were, were sort of conquering the world. We're all going to lose our jobs because of it. And it's a very threatening technology. So what's really important is to establish a culture of engagement from the very outset. Um, and it's about educating our staff that this digital workforce are there to support them. Um, doing the difficult things that that take their time and they don't enjoy doing. And I think once you set that culture and say, I've already said in you know in our trust, it's about making time matter. You find you get a lot more engagement, and you need that engagement right at the coal face or the front line of the operation in order to identify some of the best processes that need automating. And if you don't set that from the very outset, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed with this technology. As you say, the, the narrative is so important to sort of see beyond what has been before the the negative image of it. And I think we're seeing a lot of those attitudes shift and stuff, especially as the the, the present situations going on have rely, caused us to rely on a lot more technology. People are becoming a lot more open to it. And I suppose that, that leads into the, the question of, in your eyes, um, obviously, you're seeing it work successfully in your trust. Do you see this move towards automation being the route that healthcare will take over the uh, the next number of years? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you read a lot of the um, independent um, research material out in the marketplace about automation, you know, I think think the general view is that if automation doesn't sit within your overall strategy uh, for your business, then actually you're going to be um, you're not going to be competitive. You're going to be missing out. And um, I think one of the struggles with the COVID pandemic is just really the timing because automation in health is still you know, relatively in its early days. There's a lot of organizations now who are using the technology, but yeah, most of those are, are less than six months in terms of you know, implementing the technology and rolling it out. Had this pandemic happened in maybe two or three years time, I think we would have found ourselves in a much better position to deal with it. And I think it will play a lot, it will play a big role in health in terms of allowing us to maximize our resources without a doubt as we mentioned there there are a lot of organizations who are trying to begin the early stages of doing this mm. and similarly there's a lot of organizations quite new and young organizations who have cropped up to produce these solutions and provide them 
and it, it is quite a, a wide and diverse marketplace for it. So it, as potentially trusts or organizations or even individuals interested in this, how do you sort of necessarily understand what's right for you? Does it take a lot of reviewing? Is it a case of really making sure it addresses your specific concerns? Definitely. And I think my recommendation will be forget about the technology. And, you know, in the marketplace, just generally, um, you know, if you, if you look at what you read sort of on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and other sources, is it's all about the technology, you know, how great our technology is. But actually, if you wind it back, it's about understanding what it is you're trying to achieve for your organization. So what I say to all of the organizations I engage with, you know, forget the technology and come up with why do you want to do automation? What are you looking to achieve in sort of the next 12 to 18 months and, and make yourself or set yourself a program of work? And then go out and find the technology solution and the partner that can support you. Because with automation, again, I've seen it, um, some, some real examples is an organization will go out and buy one vendor RPA solution. What they then realize in three months' time is they want to do some more of the intelligent automation or RPA plus type activity, which then they've got to go and buy another piece of technology and another piece of technology. So not only does that cause nervousness amongst the exec, you know, they're having to keep spending out more money that's not in the original business case. But you also lose sight of you know, what was your original goal in the outset and how you're measuring the benefit that you're releasing. So um, you know, think about the bigger picture before you just jump in and buy the latest WYSI product that you see um, and, and understand why you're doing this. Yeah, and, and I suppose that needs to also be sort of a, a consideration. As, as you mentioned there, sort of for the, the exec who's maybe slightly out of that process and just sees the, the money coming out for these technology and stuff, yeah. it's ensuring that actually there is a business case for it across the whole organization, what might be great for a clinician here or a particular individual there. It doesn't necessarily benefit the whole trust. That, that's a conversation I've had with um, similar people at various levels recently. And I suppose that filters through through the automation technology as it did in those conversations about telemedicine. Yeah, and, 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 and you're absolutely right. But also I think because there is um, you know, such a wave of, of trust now doing automation, there's the ability to collaborate and support each other. So last year I launched something called the NHS Digital Exchange. So the, the vision behind that was all the work that I've created for the last couple of years is freely available for any, any other trust to use. So to give you some examples, you know, there's code in there that will allow you to extract extract a GP referral from the national system, download it, triage it, and post it against the patient record. You know, in every trust around the country, that consumes thousands of hours, and that's pre-built and ready to go. Equally, doing things around cancelling unwanted patient appointments and then repurposing that slot. For our own hospital in Colchester alone, that's on track to repurpose over 13,000 slots in year one, and that's just in one hospital. And that was a process, again, that's available in the digital exchange. So I think the more that we, and it's, it's never going to happen in its entirety, but I think if the NHS standardized on a common platform, so we're all talking the same language and can freely collaborate and share, you know, that's, that's going to be a winner and that's where we're going to be successful. Certainly, and, and that sort of sharing and collaboration has always been technology strength. Yep. And I suppose, especially with solutions such as automation, where there are, it is very possible as you say in, in your own uh, digital exchange you have small tasks that can make a huge difference to people around the trust yeah. which is one small sort of one tool in the toolkit yeah. um, and being able to share that I, I suppose is probably one of the biggest powers of this sort of technology and adopting it more widespread definitely and I think the NHS is unique to that because we're not 
necessarily competing with one another so we can openly share um, and it's interesting because the NHS in theory is one organization but actually beneath the surface it's hundreds of smaller organizations all kind of doing their own thing within a sort of common framework and so it is very very difficult sometimes to collaborate and share across different you know technology platforms because they can be very very different. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor Evo North uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Yeah, and, and I suppose that also leads into, obviously, as we, we've touched on there, the, the sharing within the NHS, but the similarly um, sort of scope to share beyond having sort of support from central government, from sort of local authorities and really connect these in. A lot of healthcare at the moment is discussing the likes of integrated care and primary care as well yeah. having systems that can connect and really fix one of the biggest issues that has always been in that which is getting people to talk communication yeah. if the systems can talk that's a huge power of it i agree and you know it is about working across that wider sort of care setting now and through the digital exchange my again my future goal is well it shouldn't just be nhs it should be public sector and we have a, a local um, county council, the West Suffolk County Council, who I'm partner with and we support each other and we're sharing our, our work as well. So I just see that growing. And I've also been speaking with um, colleagues within the police services, within central government. Um, so I, I, I think over time, and it could happen quite quickly, is, is actually it branches out beyond health and just covers all aspects of public sector. Uh, and that would be really good. Definitely. And I suppose the... The, the next natural question that comes up, as it does with any sort of new technologies and technology moves forward, will always be the the concerns or the the fears people potentially have over security of it, over potentially ensuring the, not only the, the the data is secure, but it's correctly um, matches up with governance and mm-hmm. these the steps and process that are so vital within the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, from your experience with automation solutions, how easy is that to sort of match those up? and ensure everything is above board. Definitely. I think one of the struggles right now is just getting people around the security teams and information governments to actually understand what the technology is all about. You know, what the robots are doing are replicating what a human does. Now, a robot doesn't make mistakes unless you teach it to make mistakes. Everything is fully audited. In fact, you have a much more detailed, granular form of automation in the platform itself rather than, you know, what's just in the application. Um and I would always claim that it is safer to use a robot than it will be to use a human. And say a robot doesn't make mistakes, it doesn't get tired, it's more efficient, it will run 24 hours a day, seven days a week doing exactly the same thing. But this is where you move beyond the RPA and, and more towards that intelligent automation side. So you know, my robots will fix issues themselves. They'll make decisions within, within a limited a sphere. But I think, you know, in terms of security, everything is encrypted in the platform. Um, the data is secure. It doesn't leave sight. And remember, we're manipulating the same applications that a human would do. So if, for example, we're doing some work within our accounts payable system, the security risk and the template is the same as, as someone joining finance, sitting at a desk and using an application. In fact, actually, it's more secure using that robot. Um, and also you find in health that there's still a lot of pieces of paper flying around the system. You know, pieces of paper can get lost. They can be mislaid. Um, and that doesn't happen with digital data in a robot. But what is really important, and again, I think we're one of the few trusts that have used automation to do clinical processes because the clinical world is kind of seen a little bit as a holy grail. You know, if a robot makes a mistake, then it will 
adversely impact patient care. You know, it could have quite dramatic results, which is where, aside from the robot technology, the governance comes into place. So we have, we call it the health group, but we have a forum where all of the automation projects are reviewed, prioritized, but also given that clinical view. Um, and I won't go into detail now because I'll bore your listeners, but we have a very complex, complicated and detailed way of developing clinical processes that mean that uh, every step is tested, you know, triple tested and signed off by clinicians before it touches a real patient. So that's important. So I think it's a combination of understanding what the platform does, realizing that security and management of data is, is better than a human doing it, and then having that governance structure around that that will manage and, and oversee um, what your robots are doing. I think they're the, they're the sort of three important aspects. Absolutely. And it links back to what we discussed earlier in the episode about narrative and getting over those sort of preconceptions people have. Sure. But also having that communication, as, as you sort of touched on, the fact clinicians can have input, the fact that all aspects of the team which will be using the technology has an input in the technology sort of alleviates a lot of the the risks of because it isn't just somebody turning up one day and going oh we use this system now absolutely and and i think also the the level of governance and clinical view depends on what you're doing so you know i always say to organizations that you have a you have different layers of automation strategy at the very basic level it's replicating the as-is so if a robot is already following a process that a human does or a number of humans do and that process is documented then actually it's a really safe way to automate because you're you're literally replicating what that that human does there's no change management required there's no transformation resource in fact in, in the case of our medical secretaries in neurology for example the only change i had to say is uh, hey chris you know that job you really hate doing every single day that stops you answering the telephone to your patients just stop doing it now if anyone came to me in my role with that sort of conversation yeah, i'll bite their hand off but equally then, uh, sitting above that is a layer of transformation. So where we're starting to send patient letters out in their native tongue by doing real-time translation through our patient portal, that's a new way of working. You know, that's a new process. And so those sorts of automations take a little bit more time and require a more detailed level of governance. So I think it's really important to have a very flexible model uh, in order to accelerate the deployment of your solutions. Certainly. And, and as you touched on with the last example, um, the sort of idea of having using this technology to send out letters and, and key medical information to patients in their own native language can have a huge impact on their patient care positively. Absolutely. It can prevent misinformation. It can also make them feel a lot more sort of settled and connected within an area. That's only ever going to have a positive impact down the line, both on their well-being and also their willingness potentially to engage with hospitals and with healthcare service. I agree. And all those sort of value added things that you can do around the cognitive learning of the platform that I use, they're the things that are really difficult to measure the benefit. You know, if I send if I send a patient a letter in their own language and they read and understand it, how do I really measure that? Um, and that's why I think some of the really exciting transformational stuff around automation is missed because it doesn't carry that that big benefit price tag that's very easy to see. You know, I'm sure it will have an impact in terms of DNA rate throughout patients, you know, because the patients read that letter in their native tongue. They know when to turn up. They know to fast before they come for their blood test, whatever it may be. Yeah. Is that having a positive impact? The answer is I don't really know yet, uh, but I, I just know in my heart it's a good thing to do. And so I'll do it. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. And it, it's the approach that sort of makes the backbone of the NHS, whether it's on sort of hard data yes or no the best thing to do if it feels right and it's 
the sort of right thing to do for the people. That's why we do it. That's yeah. why the healthcare service is what it is. Okay. Um, and I suppose, obviously, a lot of this conversation has been about what we can do with the technology now. Mm. So I'm now going to throw the really difficult question towards you. Mm. Where do you see it necessarily going in the future? What are the maybe big ballpark areas that you really think automation either fix or help or support or yeah. add value to in the healthcare service? Well, I think within automation, we've obviously just started the journey. I mean, I'm, I'm two years in now, and, and last month we had a record month released about 11,500 hours of time back to uh, our trust, which was huge. And in month one, we started with just 300. So you can see you're on a real curve. And there's still a lot more to be done about that. I think certainly with the pandemic, where it's been really helpful, I mean, putting aside people that are losing their lives and their businesses and the economy you know, falling down, it has actually been a really positive thing in, in terms of tech because it's allowed us to accelerate deployment of, of some of these solutions. And you've seen quite a dramatic shift in terms of the um, you know the remote um, consultations for outpatient appointments, for example, and I think we'll find that in health some of those advantages won't disappear now. They'll be there, and they'll be there for good. So what automation allows us to start doing now is building that recovery program um, and supporting different ways of working. So I think that will be a growth area in the short term. In terms of where technology goes, I mean obviously there's a lot of talk around artificial intelligence and AI. And I think really comparing the two technologies, even though you, you can't really compare them because they're very different, is AI is still very much in its early days. Um, I think we're still finding our feet around that and understanding you know, the right approach, the ethical approach. Would it really give us the, the positive sort of output? But from a complementary side, those two technologies will join together. And I think we'll need the intelligent automation to um, leverage and take advantage of some of those pockets of AI. So, for example, you know, I've been looking at uh, doing a clinical coding AI type engine. Um, so I need, I need a RPA automation to go out and collect those digital data sources from different systems, put them in the AI engine, do the coding, get the outcome, and then use the RPA to go and, and code that against the patient's episode. Um, but it's a really exciting time with these technologies. Um, you know, I don't know where we're going to be in five years' time. Who can predict it? Um, but it's, it's one to watch. Certainly. And I think it, it's a really sort of positive and powerful image to look forward at um, sort of this uh, this idea that, as you say, the, the technology for automation for the likes of AI, it's very much still in its infancy. And we're seeing the significant impact and the significant positive steps we can take with it now. Who knows, as you say, in five and 10 years time, where we'll be with that. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, life in general, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. We don't know when this pandem pandemic is going to end, if it's going to come back again or what other challenges we face. But the world is changing. But definitely, you know, automation is here to stay. And, and if you look at the areas of growth over the last year, um, you know, automation technology is just just rocketed. Um, so I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, I think in terms of sort of the conversation we've had, I think we've we've hit all of the really sort of key points for automation for understanding a lot better this technology from myself and also from all of the listeners we really appreciate taking the time darren um sort of to explain this and really broach it in an approachable way it can be quite a sort of big world scary concept if you don't necessarily know about it but i think throughout the conversation it's been well it's been easy to follow which i think everyone will appreciate fully excellent and also matt just as a closing comment then you know thanks for inviting me it's been a great conversation if i could just say to anybody listening if they need any open and honest direct advice around automation and supporting technology feel free to reach out to me on linkedin 
And I've also got a blog called somethingincredible.co.uk, which on there you'll find video clips, helpful information you know, to get you started. But feel free to reach out. I'm very generous with my time and I'm happy to support anyone. Amazing. And I'm sure our, our listeners will fully appreciate that. And hopefully some of them who have really taught, sort of found what we've discussed interesting will reach out because this is for the, for the future and for the benefit of the healthcare service and our patients. Absolutely. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Post podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website. To stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes, make sure to subscribe, drop us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. This has been National Health Executive's Finger on the Post podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.